Attention. The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast series are solely those of the host and participants, and do not reflect the official policy, position, view, opinion, or represent any endorsement by the Christian Academy of Knoxville, its board of trustees, administration, faculty, or employees. Please, enjoy. All right, we're here with Molly Grubb and Nicole Zavoyko. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Molly. I'm in 12th grade, and I don't know, um, I'm just excited to be here. Uh, I'm Nicole. I'm in 11th grade, and I'm excited to be on the podcast. All right, um, so to start, we, uh, we brought you guys on to talk a little bit about LGBTQ rights, sort of the conversation that's going on in the church right now. And we know it's really a sort of hot box topic and just sort of what our perspective should be on it, what our personal perspectives are on it and sort of what we think of the whole condition of the church and society as a whole with regards to that right now. So the question that sort of brought us here, the original question that we asked you guys was for a lot of people, especially in the church, I think, and, and where we live, they want to say that um, LGBTQ people are not born gay. I, I know that's like a very popular opinion, especially here in the Southeast, among Christians. And um, that's sort of a really big debate because it can have a lot of theological implications. So to start out, uh, I guess you guys can if you want sort of share your personal opinion on that and a little bit about how you came to that conclusion um, and then maybe what impact it has on, on your faith. Personally, I don't believe it's a sin to be LGBT and I don't think it's a choice and that's why I don't think it's a sin. And I think that LGBT people have the most say out of anyone to say whether it's a sin or not because as my small group leader said earlier today, you know, I'm kind of taking this out of context, but she said it, when you're living in it, you know it best. So she was talking about our school life, but. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not going to point at one of you guys and be like, oh, you're lying. I feel conviction for you, your sin. Yeah. Like, you can only feel conviction for your own sin. Yeah. So I think that, and like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I agree in your um, thought process. I don't know my exact viewpoint on it because I don't think anyone can exactly have the perfect answer. But I do have a hard time believing that, you know, if it is a sin, then I can't believe that the Lord would pick and choose people to be born with a sinful nature um, more so than the normal person. And I'm not saying that um, LGBTQIA plus or however you want to um, categorize it is a more sinful than others because as we know that's not true but I can't see our God um, hand choosing people to face this adversity throughout their whole life that they get so much shame for if it isn't a sin or even if it is a sin you know I just I do believe that people don't choose to go through so much hate and um, adversity that um, the LGBT community goes through today so part of what's really sad is that most of the adversity that they face is in the church where the church is supposed to be loving and accepting, but yeah. they're not. And it's, especially in the South, it's very, 
um, it's rather unpopular. Yeah, for sure, to say the least. It's funny, um, when you look up verses about LGBT community, because, you know, me coming into a podcast, that was my <laughs> initial reaction, because you always want to have biblical backup. And, you know, there's verses in the Old Testament, as we've all heard, used against the community, you know. But there's even more verses about saying not to judge one another and um, how who are we to judge when it's only the Lord's decision. So just interesting um, because I think we mentioned this in the preparation is that, you know, even if it is a sin, it's no bigger of a sin than little white lies here and there. And people might say, you know, well, they choose a sin every day. And I'm like, well, I choose a sin every day as well, just on a different scale, I guess. I really doubt it's a sin because, like, no one would, like, first of all, no one chooses it. Like, that's just not a thing. Like, no one's like, oh, yeah, I chose to be gay because whatever reason. Like, it just doesn't happen. Um, I mean, maybe it does, but, like, it's very, very rare. <laughs> but, like, for the most part, I would say... What, th- what people think of as the sin is, like, the sexual act, but there's a lot more to being LGBT than a sexual act for the sexualities. There's, like, the relationship and the love you feel, and I feel like that just wouldn't be a sin because how is God going to judge two people that genuinely love each other? Exactly, yeah. I um heard one sermon once, and it was almost a just cringy one, I guess, if, uh, to give it the adjective that I would say is. But he was talking about how he knew someone that was, you know, gay and how he went through life in the church and the church saying, oh, this is a sin. Like, you cannot act on these desires. So um, the preacher went on to say that this man um, resisted all his desires in life. Um, he lived a suppressed life, never got married never dated just because the church said it was a sin and you know that shows definitely definitely um commitment to the church and to the lord but the question is is that necessary you know like i just again i can't can't come sorry can't bring me back (laughs) what am i trying to say (laughs) it brings me back to that our god the god that i know is to being loving yet you know powerful um would not make us suppress feelings our whole life yeah I've had many heated debates with my mom over this topic actually not really in preparation for this just because I am passionate about this but she uses that as like uh, she'll commonly say like oh yeah well even if you're born gay you can like suppress your feelings if you're really dedicated to God and I'm like but it's not like it's not like a bad feeling like you know when you have a bad feeling like in your deep within you you know it's wrong like when you're lying you know oh well I shouldn't be doing this but I'm doing it anyway you know but like I feel like LGBT people just don't get that so I don't think it's a feeling that would need to be suppressed so I just don't think that's necessary and and yeah I mean someone could do that if they really wanted to and really believed it but it's just a sad life to live like that because then you never really fall in love and if you want to fall in love and you never do that's just so that's just a really sad life yeah this is interesting that 
the idea of like, I guess, suppressing what you're feeling your whole life in submission to the church. And then uh, people say by extension, submission to God. And I think clearly it's, it represents a submission to church doctrine and, and what the people of the church believe. But how do you think, I don't know if you guys do draw a direct line um, relating these things, but I know there are people who do. How do you think that then relates to God? Like, does submitting to church doctrine automatically mean you're also submitting to God? I don't necessarily think so, because the church is run by imperfect people that can um, interpret the Bible differently or interpret it incorrectly. Like, I, there's not really ever going to be like a perfect doctrine and you can't ever act perfectly according to a doctrine, even if it is perfect. So I don't think that submitting to a church doctrine necessarily would make you also submitting to God. I think submitting to what you believe based on your own experience with God. I, um, this is interesting. I went to my church the other Wednesday. Case, I think you might've been there that night. And our whole topic was talking about, you know, people groups that haven't been reached by um, the, I guess, uh, the normal doctrine or just the gospel in general. And after this um, service, you break off into small groups. And we were talking about, you know, then what would the, I guess, salvation call be for those unreached people groups? And um, interesting topics got brought up, such as like, you know, in a community full of people where it is okay to steal and theft is encouraged and say, I follow this, um, I guess, this lifestyle of stealing because my in my community, it is good. Um, it was interesting. Our small group leader said that, you know, this would be considering following what you know as right. And so therefore there would be salvation. Um, which I find kind of sticky because <laughs> that brings us back to morals, you know, um, what is a God-given moral and then if those are directly tied to like society morals and I don't know, it's it's hard because the doctrine is based off of someone else's interpretation. Yeah. So. I think part of what we're getting at with the whole morality thing is there's a difference between um, the church's morality and kind of our cultural morality at this point. And I think we're, we're kind of born into a time of transition from where um, the culture aligned more with um, our morality as a church. Um, but now um, it's kind of splitting off. And so I think w at church we talked about how humans have a common morality um, from God, and that's kind of like how we're created in his image, or at least that's kind of what I believe is that's one of the ways we're created, and like his image is knowing right from wrong and um, being able to differentiate between good actions and bad actions. But that doesn't really change that we all have the desire to sin, um, and that's something that came from the fall. And so I guess... From that, do you guys think that um, maybe homosexuality, if it is a sin, is just that desire played out in a different way 
Like, it's just, like, we, like, heterosexual people lust after the opposite gender. And so do you think that it's similar in the sense that it's just the, it's a different gender and we're, we're still created with that sin, or not created with that sin desire, but that sin, like, desire is still there? Yeah, for sure. I, this kind of goes along with what I believe. Um, this is this is really complicated, and I can't figure it out for myself, so it's, it's weird saying it to other people, but my whole take on it is that, you know, I'm not going to marry someone that I'm physically attracted to but don't love. You know, I don't love them for their appearance or their, I guess, identity. I love them for the person they are and their soul, if we're going to use, I guess, um, dramatic words. <laughs> uh, so I feel as if uh, you are attracted to the person. And obviously, lust comes to account when you're talking about physical attraction. But um, lo- for me, love is primarily based off the person. So I believe that everyone is born equal, <laughs> if I'm going off my whole thing as um, I can't see as a god, a god um, punishing certain people. But for me, I tend to lust after the opposite gender, you know, being heterosexual, as you would say. Um, So I I agree with that. I think that, you know, you can love a person in any any gender. Um, I can have love for my best friend, and the only thing separating me from having, like, affectionate love, I guess, would be there's no attraction. And I don't, that's my take. I know that's kind of abstract, and I get some weird looks every now and then about it. But I get where you're going with that. I get what you're saying. Um, and I guess it would. I would say it's the same for me, but the opposite. Yeah. So I think something important to remember, or I guess, take into mind when, when we're talking about this idea of, I guess, the context of of sexual desire is that the church doesn't say that sex is bad. It, it doesn't say that sexuality is bad. Usually the church is, is drawing confines of, of the context of it. So the difference here is that your homosexual lust is bad regardless of time or place because the church doesn't sanction homosexual marriage, at least around here. Most churches don't. But your heterosexual desires um, are just bad up until you're married, I guess, because you have an opportunity to satiate that afterwards, obviously. So I guess trying to to draw those lines of where it's appropriate and where it isn't, it's important to remember that you're asking, if you're saying that heterosexuals to wait 25 years maybe, but you're asking gay people to wait forever, which kind of goes back to um, suppressing those emotions before. What do you guys think about that? There was so much in that. Like, can you condense it? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's fine. I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I think sort of what I'm getting at is we're we're saying, I guess, this idea in the church, and I think it's a way that a lot of churches are sort of addressing this problem, not really getting around it, but sort of settling on this solution that I don't know is an actual solution because they're saying we don't think homosexuality is any different as a sin. Like we say it's a sin, but it's just the same as any other sin. And it's the same as us because we have a heterosexual lust. But in in doing that, you're saying that, you know, we both have 
sexual desires, for me, sometimes it's inappropriate. For you, it's always inappropriate. So I don't know. I guess to me that doesn't really solve the issue. It just sort of reframes it. Do you guys have any opinions on that? Yeah, I definitely don't think that's a, a solution, yeah. or at least a valid solution for sure. Um, that's almost brings me back to the common analogy, like my lie is better than your lie. You know, for for me, it's okay if I lie now, but you can never lie. Yeah, I just feel like, like, who is anyone to say that, oh, okay, so God says that this is, you know, my love is okay, but your love is not okay, you know, like. And why do we care? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's my biggest thing, like, you know, the only person my love is affecting is that person I'm loving in myself you know like <laughs> me loving this person is not affecting other people and I don't know yeah no it's I mean like if a person genuinely falls in love with another person and they want to get married I don't know just it's the same so what makes it any different than like yeah what besides because both have the same concept of falling in love with the person and, you know, how they are and their personality and sometimes, you know, how attractive they are to you or a combination of all those. And uh, really, the only difference is, like, genitalia, but, like... And so that's a very common thing people will say is, like, oh, because homosexual couples can't reproduce and that's why it's bad or whatever, but, like... I say the earth is overpopulated anyways. Yeah. It's like, maybe <laughs> like, it doesn't, like... <laughs> we don't need to reproduce at this point. We have millions, billions of people on the earth, and there are always going to be straight people to reproduce, so... And, like, homosexuality is ancient, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, so, I I have a hard time when people say that homosexuals are making it up or choosing to live this way then why is this like just an extremely long fad that's been happening for so long like why yeah is it so, like if it's this old then there has to be a reason for it almost i guess maybe the reason people will especially in the church i think will say like oh you're just making it up or like you don't you just decided that you're gonna be this way is because it's been kind of brought to the forefront of um, just everyone's attention with um, the whole gay rights movement, um, which I think is an awesome thing. I don't think that um, rights for people should be determined on who you love, especially in just like the secular like government um, scene. But I think that since there's so much attention to it, um, people do sometimes use it as a way to bring attention to themselves. I'm not saying, I wouldn't ever try and tell someone that the reason that they chose to come out is because um, they just wanted attention or something. But I think that it, since it is at the forefront of our, uh, our attention, people are kind of taking advantage of that a little bit. And so it makes, I think, the church very, like, wary of um, people who do do that. Yeah, no, I understand that a lot. You know, 
no matter what the topic is, if it's popular and people are going to want to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, I think that's a safe assumption to believe that, you know, not everyone is speaking truth. Um, I, I think that's true. But again, like, they should be able to say whatever they want about themselves because it's not anyone else that's affecting. But going back to what you said about the government, that's interesting. Um, I think I agree. I think it's awesome that we're taking such big, like, progressive steps, I guess. But I think now it's about being progressive, um, I guess, in a secular world. You know, random fact, Tennessee is one of the three states that doesn't allow you to change your gender on your birth certificate. And, you know, I know that's a whole different topic, and that's something that's very controversial. But at the same time, if you're in the very few minority that aren't being progressive, then, like, it's not about what you truly believe as of now. It's about, you know, moving with the rest of your nation as a whole. All right. So um, we can uh, change pace a little bit now. So let's see. Molly, you mentioned before you were thinking about, I guess, biblical sort of background for for what you were thinking and, and what you were going through. And I know that there are, I guess, a, a couple really prominent verses that people use to form their opinions based on homosexuality. And um, a lot of those do come from the Old Testament. And I know whenever we get into that, it's really popular to start debating about, oh, does Old Testament law still apply to Christians today? Um, and it gets really complicated. And I'm not an Old Testament scholar, and I don't think any of us here are. So um, we don't have to get into that right now. But it's not absent in the New Testament. Um, it's definitely still there. And I, I know one of the ones that I've seen uh, people cite a lot when they're talking about their reason for believing homosexuality is as a sin um, comes from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, I'm just going to read it real fast. This is from the ESV. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I have heard that verse plenty of times. I don't know. I'm assuming you guys have heard that too in a similar context. So I was wondering, when you've seen it brought up before, what have your thoughts been on it? What have your experiences been with that verse? Um, and what do you think of it now? I would say I've heard quite a bit about that verse. And it mostly comes down to what I've heard the most is that it's a not a correct translation. Or at least I've heard two things. That either it's not a correct translation or that their word for homosexuality was our word for pedophilia. Um, or vice versa. <laughs> um and so the way they used it back then was how was talking about older men like buying younger men as sex slaves as like and that was their way of saying that um or maybe it's a little bit of both since that's kind of that kind of does go into translation because we wouldn't because if they didn't have a word for that then they would just use a word that is similar but not the same in when you really think about it, it's not. Yeah, I've heard the translation thing as well, but to be blunt, you know, there's a lot of things I don't understand about the New Testament and Old Testament, and this would just have to be one of them. Yeah, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but 
Isn't that... Didn't Paul write First Corinthians? Yeah. And Paul says a lot of odd things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah like, he can't teach in church and mm. stuff like that. And I just think... I think Paul had a very different way of understanding what God meant. Yeah. I... I can see that. And we talk a lot about like with the Old Testament about stuff being taken out of context, like um, stuff about homosexuality being taken from like Leviticus or something like that, um, where people say, well, I'm not Jewish, so I don't have to follow that law. But I also think that happens with um, the New Testament um, because a lot of the New Testament, just like the Old Testament, is meant for a specific culture. Um, Like, Paul writes to the Corinthians. This is a letter to the Corinthians, which is a Greek city. Um, And this is in kind of like a Hellenistic and Roman culture kind of mixed. And I mean, like like he said, homosexuality was very rampant. And oftentimes, if I'm not mistaken, it was older men and um, younger boys. And um, so I think that even if it is the same word that we use for homosexuality, I think culturally it might have been different. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think that that verse can be taken out of context just like any Bible verse. Um, and I know we tend to save more of our you know, personal opinions for the bonus episodes, but I, I really do need to talk about this. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... I just, I don't know. I think it's funny when people use this verse to prove that homosexuality is a sin. And it's like they they don't see the rest of the verse. Because it doesn't mention just homosexuality in there. It talks about sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, uh, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. It's all like, I guess, part of the same group. Lumps everyone together. Yeah, so... (laughs) So if he's saying these people aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God, I'm not inheriting the kingdom of God. Yeah, like no one's inheriting yeah. the kingdom of God in that case. <laughs> I don't know. That's just sort of my thoughts about it. No, That's I, a really good yeah. point. I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah. I like what you said about Paul. Yeah, he, he's a, a weird dude. <laughs> like, I, I feel like we got to cut him some slack, though, because I feel like we would be really weird out of context, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also, like, Paul, he he killed a bunch of Christians, too. <laughs> so, like, What's up with that? Well, <laughs> so, like, when we look at his writing and he's writing that, he, I mean, I think that Paul knows that he's saved when he's writing this stuff, but he also committed those sins. And so I think that, like you, I said, he's kind of lumping everyone together to show that, like, almost, like, no sin is greater, like what we talked about Um which I think is a huge problem in the church is we isolate certain sins and say, like, hold them up on a pedestal of infamy almost and say, like, this is the worst sin or, like, you're going to be kicked out of our church if you do this. I think homosexuality is one of those, I I think, especially in the South. And um, I just ask, like, what do you guys think that we should do about it or what can we do about it i think as a community you know just 
Well, I guess, hmm, let me gather. Um, we see a lot of new churches popping up, um, I guess more progressive churches, especially inspired by young people, millennials, as you would say. Um, and I think it's just a good movement uh, that we should take a part of what we believe in and that we should stand up for the people we believe should be stood up for. Yeah, I agree. I think um, a lot of it is just figuring out what we believe on our own because that just takes like your own kind of self journey, I guess. And a lot of the times I think it's harder for people who are not part of the LGBT community and are, or have grown up religious to like make their opinions on this. Um, but I think once people know we should support what we believe and wholeheartedly and just stand up for any injustice we see. I think it's really important for us as well to remember, you know, not to be hypocritical and not try to thrust our views on people that, you know, views is just aren't going to change. You know, I'm not going to go up to the elder of my church and be like, hey, bro, you're wrong. Because like, yeah. <laughs> who am I to do that? You know, they have formed their opinions. And even though they might be a little bit more stubborn and, I guess, um, less progressive in their views, you know, they formulated themselves, you know, and there's respect in that. And as long as they aren't um, affecting people in a negative way that are a part of this community, I think, you know, to his, his own, we can't change people's opinions that aren't going to be changed. And I think we as a, especially the younger um, generation, we really need to learn the value of holding a respectful opinion. Um, one of my friends has this quote, and oh my goodness, it's it speaks so much truth to me. It's, you know, I will honor your opinion as long as your opinion dishonors someone else's. Is that Mary Lawson's quote? Yeah, I knew it. I, knew it. <laughs> I know, and I probably I butchered so it. Um, but, you know, I just think that's a great motto to go that by. That is an amazing motto. I wholeheartedly agree Yeah, that I think... As long as someone is just living their best life and not harming anyone else in the process in any way, like emotionally, uh, mentally, or physically, then to each his own. You know? <laughs> Sounds like a worldview I just studied. It's like, you know, do whatever you want as long as the greater good is, <laughs> is um, acknowledged. I guess sort of on a related topic, if you guys want to share um, what sort of is is the position that your church has towards homosexuality? What are um, roles that gay people play in your church? Um, and if you agree or disagree, you know, why do you feel that way? I mean, I can start out. My church does, like, officially recognize homosexuality as a sin. But as far as I know, uh, homosexual people are still free to um, they volunteer in any position in our church. And then they do. Which, I don't know, I, I don't really think I agree on the part of them saying that, you know, their official doctrine is homosexuality is a sin. Um, because, I mean, even if you do feel that way, I don't know if that's something that the church needs to hold as central. But, I don't know, I am pretty proud of my church for, you know, uh, 
I think for the Southeast, even though I don't agree with everything they do, allowing them to serve and then still being, you know, open and inviting towards them is uh, a, a step forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are still steps to be taken, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's an improvement. Yeah, yeah I, I think I've said this so many times <laughs> and I apologize, but going back to the lie analogy, you know, churches don't not let liars hold positions in the church or volunteer. So, like, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, your church is ahead of mine, I think, because uh, it's been a while since I've been to church or really involved in church. But um, I think, I'm pretty sure my church doesn't let homosexuals or LGBT people uh, serve in leadership positions. So, I mean, they're, I don't, they don't kick anyone out for it, but like, they're just there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, due to, <laughs> I've been at a job for like the past two years and it's a weekend job. So I haven't been able to go to church regularly for Sunday. So kind of gripping my church back, yeah. um, which is awesome. I'm so glad to, but, um, I guess talking about my, I guess my fellowship would be here at CAK, um, what I would consider, you know, church, you know, with my small group and just where I get that mentorship. And I believe here it's, for the most part, I think they handle it well. Um, I think they're under a lot of pressure to, you know, it's hard when you have a non-denominational, which we all know leans a little Baptist here and there, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's, it's okay. Just a little. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, let's say evangelistic. So, and, you know, it's hard. You can't, there would be so many parents angry if we were accepting of everything. And I think we do a great job at um, just making sure if it does come up, it's handled in a respectful manner and not making it the biggest deal. Because like Eli said, you know, it shouldn't be the central part. I think the most disrespectful things out of CAK come from the students themselves. You know, today I was sitting in a class and we were talking about drama and how in uh, the English, like I said this was yesterday, but, you know, in the drama, history of drama, um, Male, there was only males accepted in the theater in that, you know, males would have to um, kiss other males, you know, for drama and how homosexuality was even prevalent there. And someone in my class audibly goes, ew. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, you know, in me, that obviously gets me a little fired up. But, you know, it's just our stand to, you know, remain, you know, just let them say that. If they want to be verbal about it, then let them and maybe one day they'll realize that that's a little ignorant but i don't know yeah at, um my church um we i i'm not completely sure um about everything to do with homosexuality in our church but i do know i was having an argument with my mom about this because we have very different um viewpoints on it and i get pretty fired up about it um i'm sure I will in our little debrief. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we don't, our church tries not to discriminate um, at all against like homosexuals, but um, in the same, our, our church does say it's a sin. And so I think it, we don't allow people who are, openly homosexual to be in leadership positions, 
But I think if a church is going to say um, this is a sin and we really disapprove of this, I think it's okay for them if they're going to say that's a sin to kind of not allow that. Because, like, if somebody said, I'm openly living in sin, um, and, like, then, I mean, we wouldn't really allow them to be a pastor, I don't think. Um, Because there are plenty of pastors who have um, come out and said, like, I'm an adulterer or whatever, and I've been having this affair. And then they aren't allowed to preach anymore. And so I think that um, in that same way, um, if a church is going to say this is a sin, then um, it's okay to allow them to serve. And, like, it's okay to allow anyone to serve because we're all sinners. But I think um, we should hold a higher um, standard maybe, which I don't necessarily agree with my church's opinion on that. But, like, I think if they are going to say that, then. Yeah, that's a good point. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I guess that goes along with the free speech that we have in America. I think that, I guess if people just don't like that, then they can go to a different church that has a different opinion. But ma- vast majority of the churches here have an opinion that homosexuality is a sin. I went to a church. I used to live out in Kingston, out in like the rural part when I was young. And um, I had a group of friends at this one church that I went to, and it was very, it was a very conservative church, and there were a lot of like old people. <laughs> Gosh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of people that just like were very conservative leaning, and not very many young people. But yeah, and then there was a whole scandal that went down with me and my friend, who my friend, my best friend is, she's my best friend. She is, she's not sure what she is, but she definitely is gay in some way. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll attracted to multiple genders. She's not really sure yet, but um, yeah. And so rumors spread across the church and basically it turned into this whole trauma scene where people stopped wanting to not only talk to me and her but also our families and for that reason we left that church because we couldn't fix anything no one would listen to us and it was just such an interesting experience because you know that's how they treat gay people they just kind of basically socially excommunicate them and I think that's really sad. I don't think any church should do that, especially if it claims to be loving and accepting. And, you know, I think that's hypocritical to say that, oh, Jesus loves you, but, and we love you too, but we're going to socially excommunicate you if you're in sin, <laughs> which is hypocritical in and of itself because we're all in sin, but it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of people, I think, not just gay people, but people in general have really been burned by the church, and that's really sad. And I guess, kind of along those lines is, I don't know, I don't want to excuse anyone for acting in that way, but I think a a part of why they do isn't just, like, an outright hate for gay people just because they're gay, but I think there is, like, a genuine lack of understanding um, because a lot of these people, they grow up in 
very homogenous communities where they're around the same kinds of people their whole life. And I don't think that a lot of them actually know like the kind of uh, trauma and struggle that um, people who identify with the LGBTQ community can go through. Um, so I guess for this last question, I, w I won't ask you about your own sexuality or anything, um, but if, um, <laughs> if you do know somebody who identifies with the LGBTQ community, you mentioned your friend did, but um, how has that shaped your own perspective? You know, um, I have a really close friend. Uh, she doesn't go to the school, but she just came out to her parents as bisexual, uh, I guess a week ago. And I know the family really well, and all I can do is just be saddened for her. Um, they're a great family, very involved in the church, um, the sweetest people you ever met. And it is sad um, to have your parents disappointed in you because you know growing up we'd always say like I'm not mad at you I'm just disappointed and you'd be like what <laughs> like, yeah. that's even worse yeah. my mom said that to me recently <laughs> <laughs> when I when she found out I had like three tardies she was like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think it's uh, it's hard you know gr like you said growing up in such a community that is all the same and not used to change it would be hard you know that and, you know, feeling for the parents as well, you know, thinking something of your child and then it radically changing no matter what it is. It's going to be hard and it's going to be bumpy. But, yeah, I, I can't imagine <laughs> having to go through that. Yeah. Um, I remember the way I figured out my opinion was actually because my best friend, I'm just going to call her by her name now because I'm probably going to refer to her a lot. Her name is Sarah. She came out to our small group of four friends in total. And I remember at the time I was extremely homophobic. I was like, I was, that's just what I was used to. I grew up around that. And I was like that for a while. And I wholeheartedly regret it so much because I was so mean to her. And it finally struck me one day. I was just, I mean, I would think about it a lot, but then one day I was just, it just struck me that, I wasn't listening to her, that I was just being stubborn and I was deciding to be stubborn in my own beliefs and that I wasn't allowing my ideas to change. I wasn't even considering my ideas changing. I couldn't, I wasn't even considering that I could be wrong, you know, that I was just being stubborn. And it wasn't until after that, after I realized that, that my opinions began to actually change because I was like, well, this is this is what I was like before. I was homophobic, but it's because I was stubborn and I didn't think I was wrong. And I didn't think I could be wrong because I thought that's, that what I grew up with was right and just didn't. And that's kind of how I started to question everything around me and how I've built my opinions on since then. Um, but yeah, and going back to uh, people, people growing up, around homogeneous, in a homogeneous society where everything's the same. Yes, I think that's true, um, but like, it's a person's choice to listen to other opinions and evaluate, you know, what they believe rather than just being stubborn. And I think a lot of homophobic people are just stubborn. They just won't 
accept that they could be wrong because I remember that's what I was like. Yeah, that's kind of a good way to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, great conversation, guys. I mean, that last point was kind of the point of our podcast a little bit, not necessarily just specifically about like a homogenous culture um, of homophobic people, but a homogenous culture of people who, who have kind of the same ideas mm-hmm. and aren't mm-hmm. willing to listen to other ones. And so we kind of want to... Um, break that up a little bit and just present new ideas or not new ideas, but different ideas and, um, a safe place for, um, them to be presented. Um, so it's kind of a cool way to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you guys. You're welcome.